midfield. Adam Stahl to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, welcome into another edition of Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and visual coverage of New England professional sports. Yes, all all those sports. You can follow CLNS on social media, Twitter at CLNS Radio, and Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And don't forget to, to download that CLNS Radio free mobile app and get all your podcasts right in your phone for uh, iPhone or Android. Just type in CLNS Radio on your app. And it will show up right there. It's great. So if you're wondering why I'm talking here first, I'm Jess Thomas alongside Lauren Campbell. Jared is sick, so he will not be joining us for this edition of the one week to go special until opening day. Lauren, not even it's not even just seven days. It's one week. It is one week, and I'm so excited because this time next week we're gonna be talking about the first Red Sox game of the season. So I'm just like super pumped and it's finally that time i've been counting down you guys have been with me for the countdown for a long time now so i'm i'm just so excited it is kind of fun seeing it like go from like 150 days to all of a sudden seven it's like how'd that happen <laughs> time flies when you're having fun or even when you're not but for our purposes we'll say yes <laughs> uh well let's jump into some headlines then um i guess uh, one of the bigger ones, just because we now know officially, because it was always kind of a question, like May, June, July, possibly. Uh, Carson Smith, the uh, great reliever the Red Sox got last year, and he pitched a whole grand total of a whopping three games um, before he got hurt and had Tommy John and rested for the rest of the year. will be set to return from Tommy John in June. He threw his first bullpen session last week. They said he looked good. And that he's uh, he's good to return in June. I guess that's kind of officially like the the point where he'd be okay because Tommy John takes forever to to come back from. So I guess this is kind of right where you expect, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely reassuring. I do think. I mean, I know Tommy John takes you know about a year, and he's going to be June will be right around that mark. So it does make me a little bit nervous just because it is you know right around that year mark. And but it's reassuring that he's feeling good. And he seemed to, seems to be pitching well. Um, just got to work on getting that elbow strength back up. And, I mean, Christian Vasquez had Tommy John. We've seen a lot of pitchers and players over the years have Tommy John surgery and have them come back and do pretty well. So got some, I've got some high hopes for him, and I think he knows the pressure's on. But it's definitely reassuring that he's throwing and Farrell's saying he's good. What do you expect from him this year? Because obviously people expected a lot last year, and then he pitched three games. Looked good in those three games, but not much of a sample size. And uh, now he'll be coming in in June, and all of a sudden you're going to have supposedly a really good bullpen piece just show up in June. What do you expect him to bring to the table for himself and for the team? 
You know, it's really hard to say at this point because I want to say I expect a lot from him, but I don't want to say I expect too much because I don't want to be disappointed. And, I mean, we know he's a good pitcher. Obviously, like you said, we didn't get a good sample size from him last year, and it it kind of sucks because, I mean, we're going to jump into the whole Tyler Thornburg thing, but you have him and uh, Carson Smith and Tyler Thornburg, you have them in the bullpen and you have them healthy. That's a bullpen that's, you know, a lineup should be afraid of and you take them both out and they're not it's not as a scary bullpen I guess you want to call it but I mean I I expect them to pitch well um I'm sure I'm well I shouldn't say I'm sure but I, I'm thinking maybe the first start first start or two might be a little shaky uh, a little rough just because getting right back into the big leagues um but I think overall he's going to do fine I think it's going to be not exactly what we want, but I don't think we're going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think that it's a good sign that just from previous Tommy John experiences for most guys, they usually come back and they're a lot better. They're stronger, they're healthy, they're fresh, and the guy hasn't pitched in a year. So when he's set and he's you know gotten his work in, strengthened his arm even more, assuming he'll do that, I assume he would after a year, um, so, so to put all that together and then come back in June when everyone is already two months worn out and you're completely fresh, not just from those two months, but from the whole previous year as you're recovering from your injury, I think it's, I think it's bound to be good. Um, which actually kind of brings me right into my next point. Uh, Tyler Thornburg, which is this year's version of Carson, Carson Smith from last year, the big clo- uh, seventh, eighth inning guy that was a little unknown, but that has had a good season that people expect more from kind of exactly the same situation. Uh, it was announced today on, on uh, Monday that he is likely to start the season on the disabled list for trapezius spasms, otherwise known as trap spasms. <laughs> and um, they're expecting him to start the season to, on the DL. They're not sure yet. He's probably going to get an MRI. So they'll check then. But the concern I guess here is that since Smith isn't back, and Thornburg could be out, that you're kind of going to have a weaker bullpen than you expect, as opposed to if Smith was ready to start the year, then boom, Smith replaces Thornburg, no problem. But with both of them out, that might be a little challenging for however long Thornburg's out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely kind of a buzzkill when you when you read that, starting the season on the DL most likely. And like you said, when you don't have Smith there and you're taking them out together, it's like, oh, great. Like, And there's not a whole lot of depth. I mean, I know there's options, but, you know, it's not the depth that, that we thought we were going to have. Um, I mean, hopefully it's nothing uh, serious. I, I, I mean, spasms, I know they can be annoying. I've never had them in my traps, but I've had back spasms, and they're, they're not good. They're not fun to deal with. But And it's definitely concerning because that's, you know, the shoulder area, the throwing area, um, and when you hear MRI, you don't think anything positive. And I know they're doing it for precautionary reasons that if it's spasms, it's, there's likely not any ligament damage, but you you don't like hearing that another guy from your bullpen is likely not going to be with the team to start the season. Here's my question for you. Do you think that we're expecting too much from both of these guys? Smith had one really, really good year. He had 70 appearances, a 231 ERA. He was dominant. He had 92 strikeouts, only 22 walks. He was great. And then Tyler Thornburg had a really, also one really good season last year. Eight and five, 
215 ERA, 90 strikeouts, 25 walks, 13 saves. So both these guys have had one really good season, and we come in here, everyone, expecting high things because it's Boston. And, you know, they both had one good season, and neither of them are old. You know, Smith is 27, and uh, and Thornburg is 28. So, like, because of these guys' age and because of their lack of success besides that one season, do you think we're getting too hyped up about these guys, or are they going to continue being good like they were that one time? I mean, I think that our expectations are really high for them because of what, you know, the statue just threw out at everybody. It's They have one good season, and we expect that to be the kind of pitchers that they should be throughout their career. I mean, like you said, they're young and I'm going to trace this back to Drew Pomeranz. You know, we gave up our best pitching prospect for him and look how, how that's turned out. It's definitely disappointing, but there is a lot of pressure just to be pitching in Boston to begin with. And I mean, it sucks for Carson Smith because he came here, like you said, didn't pitch too well, and then all of a sudden he goes down with Tommy John. So it's really hard for him to leave a good first impression um, last season. But, I mean, I think whenever we sign somebody like a Carson Smith, like a Tyler Thornburg, even like a Chris Hale, the expectations are extremely high because of what we know they're capable of. Yeah, and I think those are fair expectations that the – 27-28 is pretty much kind of d- determined to be like the prime of people's careers pretty much for everything right basketball you know baseball with either hitting or pitching you know it's just you know football players start getting over the hill by like 30 31 so it seems like most sports athletes their prime is 27 or 28 so i don't think their expectations are too too high you know obviously the pressure of pitching in boston could be a concern but the fact that they're of that age and they just had those really good seasons in their last season, I don't think they're too hyped up. I think we can expect a lot of these guys once they get healthy, and I'd rather them get healthy and then pitch instead of pitch and then get un- get unhealthy and then come back again after people get a little taste of, you know, Smith wasn't enough of a taste to even swallow. So, I mean, getting a taste of both guys uh, after they're healthy instead of before, I think is more helpful. Uh, my other question on this topic for you is who do you expect, who's your number one player in the bullpen that you would expect to step up later in the innings with the two of these guys out to start the year? Mr. Joe Kelly. I knew like, it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's, it's kind of like, oh, who else is there? Like Robbie Ross Jr. And it, you know, it's, I really think it's Joe Kelly. And I think he's got a lot I mean, yeah, if Thornburg's going to start the season on the DL, he's going to have a lot riding on him because, you know, we know he can go longer innings. We know he's got really good stuff, really fast stuff, and he can be really effective in the bullpen. Um, And I think Kimbrell's also got to have to step up and not blow these one-run leads, two-run leads, uh, tie games. Um, Like, he needs to be the closer that we signed him on to be and not be the game blower we need him and really Joe Kelly to just step up and be on their A game, especially in the first few weeks of the season, if these two guys are going to be down. Yeah, that's definitely, obviously you want your closer to be successful. Kimbrell, I think people expect that, but hard to know at this point. And I agree, Joe Kelly is going to be relied upon without those guys. I think Matt Barnes, you know, if he continues to improve and show that he's consistent, which he hasn't really shown yet, but he's had some good stretches. So I think it's there. And then I think a guy that a lot of people 
aren't talking about that I think the Red Sox are pretty high on is Heath Hembry. I think he might like slip into like later innings as you know start pitching like the seventh inning rather than like the fifth inning. Do you see that at all? I do, and I hope it's the seventh instead of the fifth because I don't want to go through what we did last year where the starters can barely get out. Of <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely love to see Heath Hembry in the seventh inning. Yeah, I think he's a dangerous guy. That he was very solid last year. He was. I enjoyed watching him. I thought that he was a really good pitcher. So I am kind of excited about him. His ERA was two sixty five last year, forty seven strikeouts. He was good, and he's young. I think he was definitely underrated. I think he was kind of overlooked too, just because of all the other issues that were going on with pitching. And you know, then you have Benintendi coming onto the scene, and you just you have a lot of the players. Ortiz's final season too, so you had a lot of things kind of overshadowing that and it was easy to crap all over the pitching in the bullpen last season and he obviously fell into that like oh we don't care that our reliever pitched two good innings we care because our starters sucked and the closer blew the game again so I definitely think he was overlooked as a good pitcher last year and I think I hope he can just build off that from last year and keep it going I totally agree. I, I mean, he pitched a lot of those fifth and sixth innings after the starter was terrible and then kind of calmed things down and kept the team in the game. But like he said, nobody cared because the team was already down because the starter blew it. So, And I think in the offseason, people weren't really thinking about Hembry. And I think at a certain point, the Red Sox were just like, this guy's a lock for the bullpen. Like He's pitching. This guy's good. So get excited for Heath Hembry. Uh, that opening segment was powered by SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the Settings tab and click Add Promo Code. And uh, your promo code is Garden Report. All you have to do for the $20 rebate, and SeatGeek knows who sent you. So um, check that out and um, get those tickets. Uh, let's move on to some other Red Sox news. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was because uh, on the last show we talked about Drew Pomerantz and how he's not, you know, <laughs> he's still questionable. He's still having arm issues after after missing uh, some time last year. But he pitched what he was supposed to pitch after the uh, the the scare of the injury that he had, and he seems to be doing pretty well. So, do you think that was just that was really just precautionary, and he's going to be okay? I mean, I'm going to go with yeah, just because of everything you said. You know, it's I think it was just precautionary, and they want to be careful with certain people, and obviously understandable. But yeah, I I don't really think that I have much of a concern to really worry. Yeah, which is good because if we lose him and Price, then there's two starters down and you're you're dipping into the pool at that point. So if we can just keep it at Price, not add Pomerantz into that, that equation. Plus, it's my player to watch for, right? I got to I gotta have him pitching. Got to do well. Yeah, you, you better. I mean, I'm sick of you picking these players when they're just falling after you pick them, so... Should have picked Carson um, Smith again. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's definitely reassuring. Like, so you don't want to be down two starters. We're already down two relievers. So I, I, I like it. I'm feeling pretty good. So let's move on to, uh, to some position players. Uh, some more cuts were made over the last couple of days. And uh, Blake Swihart was optioned to triple A, which I guess before we talk about who is here, let's talk about Swihart and his option AAA. It was reported that they just didn't see enough in his defensive mechanics yet and wanted him to work on it more. Right decision or not? 
Um, I think at the end of the day, it is. And I think it was kind of expected. Um, you know, he's I, he's very young and he's got a hell of an arm that can get you out at second. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we know I love Blake Swihart. I'm a huge Swihart fan. But I think there's a reason that Dombrowski didn't trade him last year and that he was refusing to trade him. Um, I think we'll see him, whether it's due to injury or due to the other two, who I know we're going to talk about in a minute, just lack of production or whatever. But I think I think it's the right move. I think he'll be fine in AAA, and I think he's going to be able to work on the defensive mechanisms that he needs to. And he'll get that. I think he really needs a full season behind the plate as a catcher and not kind of being bounced back and forth and up and down from AAA to the Red Sox to, to left field to, to second base to being a catcher. Like, throw him on the pitcher's mound next. But I think, all in all, I think it's the right move. Yep, I totally agree. I, you literally said exactly what I was going to say. Was, he was moving around so much. You know, catcher, injured, left field, AAA. I mean, that's kind of a hard way to play a season. So he basically lost the full season catching last year. So I think it makes sense to, you know, it takes catching is a tough, tough position. I've never caught and I don't never want to, but I know for people who do catch, it's a hard position. It's a lot of responsibility. It's tough on your knees. So if you haven't done it for a while and you kind of switched around and, you know, we saw what happened to Bogarts when he went to third from short, he totally had no idea what he was doing. So same thing. So I heart goes from catcher to left field and he didn't look that bad, but I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. So, no. It's it definitely wasn't. And when I played softball, I think I played catcher two or three times and it was a last resort kind of thing. We just didn't have anybody. Um, Our catcher was hurt and it's awful on your knees. And I already have a bad knee to begin with. So I'd be sitting there like with my leg out and I wouldn't throw people out at second. I wouldn't go after pop ups just because I I couldn't just get the get throw the mask off real quick. Look around. It's it's a really tough position. And I can't imagine at the major league level when I was just playing softball at a high school and college level which kind of brings you back to the point of how hard baseball is in the first place because same thing for me I was actually just talking about this last night uh, about how, how when I played baseball and I was like man it was like a miracle if I got into the ball and caught in the outfield and it was also a miracle <laughs> if I hit hit the ball out of the infield I was like man I hit the ball into the outfield look at me and I was like 13 years old like playing against like kids who were throwing like 60 miles per hour like it's a hard sport if any nobody should ever crap on baseball without playing it no I 100% agree I could talk about that for hours you know it's, <laughs> I love the the mechanics behind it especially when you realize how much time you have to process if you're going to swing or not when before the ball even gets to the plate uh, it's just little things like that just amaze me that these people can do it because I'll, I'll go to the batting cages I haven't played softball in six years so I'll go to the batting cages and I think I'll be all right trying to do like the fast pitch at 50 and I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> like you said, 27 is supposed to be your prime. Oh no, it's absolutely <laughs> not my prime. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I got hit by a pitch once and it hurt so bad. Pitch was probably like 50 miles per hour. And I was like crying for like a week. I was like this huge baseball. This like the seams are like inscribed into my hip. And I was like, man, this is the worst thing in the world. And these guys get, absolutely drilled at 95 and they act like they just ate, ate a picnic lunch and ran to first base it's, ins- <laughs> it's I, don't, I don't get how they do it it's so true i got hit with a pitch uh, my freshman year in high school and it broke my ankle in two or three different places i don't remember but regardless i i was thinking the same thing like i'll do that 
every year. I'm like, oh, I'm like that pitch. And of course, it's fast, but I was like, that shattered my ankle. I can't imagine if it was going 80, 90 miles an hour. It probably would just like take my leg off. Yeah, anybody that doesn't think baseball players are tough should probably get a reality check. <laughs> so enough with that. Um, <laughs> my other question for for um, catching. I mean, obviously now at this point with with Sandy. I mean, with Blake in AAA, we got Sandy and Christian Vasquez. And obviously there's a case for both. The case for Sandy would be loyalty because he played so well last year. The case for Vasquez is that he was supposed to be the catcher, and he's had a rough road to get back to that point. Um, but now we're getting to that point, and I know people are kind of on the fence on each of them. So at this point, with a week left till the season, who do you want to be starting? Yeah, it's such a tough question because they've had they've both had pretty decent springs. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I have to go with Sandy Leon because, you know, not nothing like nothing against Vasquez or anything. But I feel like Leon is just the better offensive catcher. I think Christian Vasquez is a very defensive or, oriented catcher, which is nothing wrong with that. That's how Veritech was. And, you know, every time he came to the plate, we're like, yeah, he's probably going to strike out. But he knew the game inside and out. And I see a lot of that in Vasquez, but you know, the first couple games, you really just want to go with the best bats in the lineup too. And I think at the end of the day that that's Leon in, in and out. Yeah. I don't want to agree with you because we tend to agree a lot, but honestly, at this point, I'm a loyalty guy. I'm always been a loyalty guy. And anybody who's listened to the show for more than five minutes knows I'm a loyalty guy. <laughs> And you got to play the guy who who has been playing well for you. I mean, Sandy was great last year. Obviously, he tailed off at the end, but he still hit over 300. He was a really solid catcher, and he came up with a lot of big hits. You've got to pay that guy off. I'm not saying you have to pay him off for five months, but you got to start him. you gotta, you got to make a payoff for at least a couple months until he gives you a reason, until he hits 150 over the first month of the season, which he very well could. We don't know yet. He might not. He might. I mean, that's kind of his career average before last season, before he hit 800 for three straight months. So, I mean, give him a chance. Until he gives you a reason not to, give him a chance. Vasquez will be there. Vasquez is younger. And uh, and obviously, he's he's been he's been down for quite a while. So, do I think that Vasquez is going to be the catcher of the future? Probably. It's probably not going to be Sandy Leone. But from a loyalty perspective, you got to start the guy at least to start. So, that's where I am on that. And... I know a lot of people want Vasquez to start. I'm sure if Jared is here, he would probably say the same thing because he's been in love with Vasquez for a while now. So, Jared, I know that I know that you'd want him if you were here. But you know what? At this point, give me Sandy Leone until he stops hitting again. Until then, give him to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I can absolutely see your point. Why? Why? Um, you know loyalty and this and that like I, I completely get it and you really do want to give him a solid chance um behind the plate especially after you know tommy john surgery and we know that like you said he's probably the catcher of the future and you want to see that play out so i can absolutely see your point um and i do think i mean i don't think that he's going to be the back of the pitcher for the whole season but i think we're going to see it start with leon and then it's whether it's like I said, if it's going to be injury or lack of production, it's going to be Vasquez behind the plate 90% of the time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was 
the regular starter by like a month and a half into the season. But you know what? That's for another time. We're right now. We're in the present. We're not in May. We're not in May fifteenth right now. We're on. We're on March twenty seventh time. So Sandy, it is for the moment. So so Mitch Moreland uh, at this point is likely to play a lot of first base until Hanley Ramirez's shoulders healthy. He's still having problems with that, and that's concerning for me. I mean, I even said this in our in our wonderful prediction segment that you should all read if you have not yet. Uh, I said that he's going to – I mean, one of my bold predictions we didn't talk about was that he's gonna only going to have 13 home runs this year, which is – he has hit more than that in nine of his 11 se- full seasons. So I don't I don't have a lot of faith in his bat at the moment, especially if he's healthy, if he's not healthy. So at this point he's going to be DHing, and uh, I think Moron's going to play a lot of first base. And you know what? That might not be a bad thing. No, but it's definitely – like you said, it, it, there's a little concern there because – you know, he didn't play in the World Baseball Classic because of a shoulder injury, and he hasn't played first base because of his shoulder. So it's definitely concerning that there might be more of an underlying cause than just kind of soreness, and maybe there's something that they know that there's more of, but they don't want to say anything yet because it's not too badly affecting Hanley. But, you know, at least we have a really good person to turn to in Mitch, in Mitch Moreland, and, you know, he's won a gold glove. And like you said, nine out of 11 seasons, he's... Or, nope, that's that's Ramirez. But regardless, like Moreland being at first is a much more comforting feeling this year than we had last year about Hanley going into last season playing first. Like my confidence in Moreland is more than it was in Hanley last year. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean he's a great fielder. He's the Gold Glove fielder. He knows how to play the position, which we assumed Hanley didn't. Turned out he was actually pretty good at it, but. Moreland is even better because he's done it for a long time. So I think he's a good guy to have. Hanley's definitely going to get some some play over there when he's when he's healthy enough to do it. But I think this is a crucial thing because it's kind of the Hanley mindset thing. If he kind of gets in the mindset of like, oh, I'm the DH, I don't have to care about fielding. Like, yeah, my shoulder hurts a little bit. I'm just going to, you know, not play first today. I feel like he kind of continue into a season-long trend of like laziness of like, yeah, you know what? I, you know, I'm a little bit hurt, so I'm not going to play. I think that I think this is this is a big thing. Whether he gets back to playing first and gets his act together, or if he turns on the lazy side like he's done in this career prior to this, and then stop playing the position, I think this is huge. Yeah, it's definitely huge, and I hate you know thinking that he wants to be the DH because he's turned into that lazy kind of player before. I'd I'd hate to think that, but it does run through your mind just because. And we saw clearly how unhappy he was in the outfield. He just had no idea what he was doing. And he, he looked lazy because he wasn't happy. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's unhappy by any means. But I think if he's got that opportunity to kind of be, quote unquote, lazy, then part of me thinks he's going to jump all over that. And I hate even saying this stuff because, like, he was so good last year. 30 homers, 111 RBI. I don't want to say anything bad about the guy. But it's just, like, with Ortiz leaving and this this lingering injury and just, like, the year after David Ortiz hangover and Mitch Moreland comes in to play first base, I, I just don't have a great feeling about it. And I hate that. Yeah, it's definitely not a good feeling to have. You know, you, we want to be excited going into the season. We want to have confidence in all our players going into the season. And, you know, you see... Hanley and we're like, ugh, like, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> Hope we're wrong. Please prove us wrong, Hanley. <laughs> uh, a couple, couple of the reassignments. Um, Sam Travis got optioned, and so did Steve Selsky. 
Uh, Travis, I think it was expected. I think people are expecting him, namely Nick Qualia, for to for uh, Travis to come up at some point this year because um, you think Jared likes Christian Vasquez, then you should see Nick's love for Sam Travis because it's through the roof. Um, so it's expected. I think at some point he'll come up, possibly if he's needed. Otherwise, he might come up next year or something like that. But for now, he got optioned, and so did Selsky. And I didn't even heard of this guy before, but this guy ripped it up in in the uh, in spring training, and he was one of the best players that the Sox had. So, I mean, obviously, he's not really on the radar because we have enough players, but like he sure made a name for himself. Yeah, he sure did. Like I never heard of the guy either until my phone started blowing up, and I feel like every spring training game it was Selsky homered, Selsky RBI single to left, Selsky. In, uh, fielder's choice. I, it was just like alert after alert. It was Selsky's name, and I was like, "This guy's not that bad." And then I'm looking at his spring training stats. I'm like, "This guy's pretty damn good." Like, this is really like what I want to see out of guys that I have no idea because this makes me excited for these kinds of people. And then you know, as for Travis, like you said, it was definitely expected. You know, he had the surgery last year on his knee, and you know, he's tearing up spring training too. But there's essentially really no room for him on the 40-man roster but you know I'm, I'm with Nick on this one I think we're going to see him at some point during this season you know hopefully it's not because we suck so bad that we're just using the minor leaguers towards the end of the season just seeing what they can do hopefully that's not the case but I definitely think that he's going to be up at some point this season probably before the all-star break yeah you nail it with both of them there's just not really room at this point it's funny because Celsius went three for five with a home run and then he was <laughs> and then he was option it's like oh sorry see you later so, you know, it, it happens, and I'm sure these guys expected this. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to go in like, rah, 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 I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be in the major league roster. But a guy like Steve Selsky, who's 27, is probably, you know, they're already talking about the projected lineup, and he's nowhere near it and never was. So that's kind of expected, unfortunately, for his case. Um, well, now is the time to talk about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get into the action. The Madness of March is here, and the tournament is in full swing. we got the final four yet to come, uh, so you can lay down some money, score big on your college hoops, join thousands of online players, and start betting at mybookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when asked for a payout? Well, then you should come join mybookie today. Uh, you're wasting your time betting anywhere else because this is the place to do it. They even have in-game live betting, so you can place a bet after tip-off. You can join now. MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get an extra $50 bankroll to play with. So I want you to use the promo code SOX50 to activate your offer. That's SOX50. Visit MyBookie today or call 844-900-BETS. Play, win, and get paid. Once again, SOX50 is your promo code. Lauren, March Madness, four, four teams left getting pretty exciting it is and you know i you know me i'm not the biggest basketball fan out there i don't follow too much of the march madness craze and but i'm definitely telling you with this final four it's got me absolutely hooked so everyone should just get out there especially with these teams that are in there they, you're not you're not going to see this again yeah i mean you got a seven seed south carolina in the in the final four you got number three oregon knocking off 
Kansas, and then you got North Carolina. You could have a North Carolina, South Carolina, or you could have Gonzaga trying to get to their first championship. They just made their first Final Four. So four really interesting teams, a really interesting four four team set. So make sure you get out there and hit up mybookie.ag. It's hard not to get into March Madness. It's pretty exciting. So get all over that, and I'll be happy. All right, let's move to some MLB headlines before we get out of here. Um, first one. Uh, it was it was it came out about a week and a half ago, but we haven't covered it yet, so not that we want to cover it, but it was determined that Mr. Jose Fernandez was operating the boat at the time of his deadly crash that him and two others were killed in. So he was on cocaine, he had alcohol in the system, and he was operating a boat with two other guys in it, going sixty plus miles per hour in the middle of the night with dangerous things like jetties that you could run into. I'm sorry, I feel bad for the guy, but like how could you not expect this to happen? No, I mean it's it's definitely awful. Like you said, you know, you don't we don't really want to talk about it, but I mean I wouldn't drive a boat sixty miles an hour in the middle of the night sober. Um, so and you know, I know we've talked about it outside of the show, just kinda of saying, you know, the teammates who turned him down and you know, whatever he was going through that night, whatever, you know, and I'm sure you know, he his age probably had a lot to do with it too, just kinda of, the whole young and dumb stereotype kind of thing. And it's just awful all around. You know, I feel awful for him, the family. And, you know, it's, it sucks when this kind of stuff comes out too, because you have to think of their families. Like that's, I'm sure that, you know, in a way it brings them a kind of a weird closure because they know what happened, but at the same time they're like, Oh my God, like that's our kid. That's our friend. That's our brother. You know, that's our teammate. So it's, it's just, the whole thing since it came out last year has just been extremely unfortunate and just like so sad. Yeah, I kind of expected him to be operating the boat kind of from the start, just by what you said, like all of his teammates turning down his offer to come on the boat and like they all thought he was crazy. So like it seemed like he was like the the uh, conductor of this whole thing. So I'm not really surprised he's operating the boat, which is unfortunate. Hopefully this is the last of it. Um and we can move on from it. So, But that little note came out. Uh, another note, Cleveland reliever Cody Anderson, Cleveland Indians, will undergo Tommy John surgery and miss the whole season. And Jason Kipnis is four to five weeks away from game action with shoulder information, so he will miss at least the first month, possibly more. Um, first, Anderson, I mean, it's hard to know with him. He had a good season two seasons ago. He was 7-3 with a 3.05 ERA and then stunk up the joint last year with a 2-5, 6.68 season. So maybe he was hurt last year. Maybe that's the reason he's having Tommy John. But if you can be successful, he was two years ago. He's only 25 years old. Maybe it was the right move, kind of like a Carson Smith situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it definitely sucks for the Indians. And like you said, they didn't really not too sure what they were going to get from him. But if he can be the pitcher he was two years ago, and I think, you know, especially with Tommy John, I've never had Tommy John surgery, obviously, but, you know, I've had elbow injuries, nothing quite that to that extent, but it's really hard to really do anything or like kind of like give anything your all when your elbow, even when your elbow is just sore, like it, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just really hard to just kind of like get around and get through like your daily activities. I can't imagine trying to throw a fastball at 85, 90 miles an hour. So Hopefully it's this will fix it, and you know he's young, so when he comes back next year, he'll be right at that prime age when he should be in his prime of his career. So, <laughs> this, this I think it's definitely unfortunate, but I think in the end it's going to be okay. Yeah, people always you know they kind of do they'll go oh, 
whatever. It's just a small injury. Like people downplay the injuries, but then like if you actually yourself have that injury in real life, you're like, wow, this blows. And like you're just like trying to get through the day. You're like, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym because my leg hurts. Like these guys are trying to go out and like make a living and throw pitches and get out major league hitters, and you're just trying to go to the gym. So like <laughs> once again, that whole baseball thing and how people need to understand before they talk about it always irks me but anyway uh and then Kipnis four to five weeks I mean he's one of their best players he's a good player so this could kind of set them off on the wrong track if he misses enough time because he's really good yeah that that's a hit for them and you know they had such an incredible run last year where they want to build off that and keep that going despite a you know possibly a world series hangover even though they didn't win but to kind of start the season like that is definitely rough uh but you know Francona's their coach. So I'm not really too concerned. I think he's got plenty of plans and he's got things up his sleeves, but it's, it's definitely a big loss, but it could be worse. You know, he could be out for the season, but luckily they're only losing him for about a month. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm sure Frank Kona will figure out something for them. On our final note, Jury's Familia, um, <laughs> the man we keep talking about, as domestic violence keeps happening, um, he should know in the next couple of days what his fate will be. He was arrested on October 31st, a little Halloween domestic violence. And um, the latest is that the Mets expect less than a 30-game suspension, but they're still not sure. So he should find out soon. Either way, I mean, he's guaranteed to get suspended in some shape or form. Which he should, but I don't. I think it's a little weird for the Mets to come out and say that they think he's going to get less than 30 games when just just last year didn't Chapman was it 30 games Chapman got or was it 50 I believe it was 30 so I don't really see Manfred doing anything less than that because I mean domestic violence is domestic violence there's like there's no degree of how bad it can be it's awful no matter which way you spin it but you know if Chapman can shoot at his girlfriend eight times and get 30 games and I think Familia is going to get 30 games too. And the thing that irks me about this whole situation, it's, it's taking forever. And it, it's not like I'm sitting here waiting for the, for Manfred to come down on him or anything, but it's like, why is it taking almost six months? And, and, and then he pitched in the world baseball classic, which I know it's, it's not, you know, the MLB's MLB doesn't have anything to do with the world baseball classic in that sense. And he wasn't suspended. So I, I get it, but it's like, come on, just like, you know what you're going to do, so just do it. Right, exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, he uh, Chapman got 30 games, Jose Reyes got 52 for his domestic violence the year before, so I'm not sure why they think he'd get less than 30 unless they know something, and if they do know something, I'm not sure why it would be less than that. So it'll be interesting to see when the ruling does come down what exactly it is. I'm feeling it'll be like, I'm feeling it'll be 30, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So um, that's going to do it. For us today here on the, f- the final spring training episode of Red Sox Beat, season starts in one week. Uh, and today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Start using ZipRecruiter for free now by going to www.ziprecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Also, make sure you check out Audible and go to www.audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. Lauren, this is it. Season starting next week. Why? This, it's still cold. Why is the season starting already? I'm hoping, well, I mean, Wednesday's going to be 54, so I'm hoping next week it's, you know, I'm going to be at Fenway next Wednesday, so I'm hoping I'm going to get, like, 50s weather, but with my luck, I'll get, like, 32 in snow, so we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll hope that 
the weather decides to change with the uh, the baseball season because it hasn't happened yet, and it's been pretty darn cold. So we'll find out probably in the fifties, but we'll uh, we'll be here to talk about it. So till next time, uh, we'll see Jared soon. Uh, for Lauren Campbell, I'm Jess Thomas. It's been Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. Good night. <laughs>